Welcome to the Old Fashioned Breakdown Podcast. Welcome back. Uh, a rewatch podcast for the meaningful TV show Mad Men. Uh, a bit like the Talking Sopranos, but with less listeners. My name is Fola Olakumbi. I've seen the show a couple of times and I'm trying to figure out how they wrote this damn thing. And my name is Helen Varley, and this is technically my first watch through. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate, comment, and subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so on Twitter, which is at breakdown underscore old, or email us on oldfashioned.breakdown at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to check us out on Instagram. I need to update that. Um, (laughs) Anyway, this episode is Meditations in Emergency, written by Matthew Weiner, Kater Gordon, and Robin Fife. In this episode, do you want to do this book? No, you go. Okay. In this episode, Don tries to recon- reconcile with Betty. The guys in the office stress about the selling of the company. Betty discovers she has a new visitor coming along, and the entire world almost ends in nuclear war. I mean, it sounds dramatic. <laughs> oh, no. But I feel like... Do you know what, actually? I'll start with the fact that I actually quite enjoyed this episode. Oh, wow. But... Here's what I will say is that a lot of stuff in this episode was yep. people calmly going about their lives. Like even some of the like big high drama conversations. Mad Men has that way with me where it's like if it was any like soap opera, yep. people would be screaming and throwing plates at each other. And in Mad Men, they just sit down and have a cutting conversation. And look into the distance. And look into the distance. And sometimes it's, it's sometimes I like it and sometimes it's infuriating. <laughs> and this was one of those episodes that I just... I actually enjoyed the narrative. Okay. But there were times when I was just a bit like, come on, react a little bit. <laughs> come on. Come on. A bit, I want a bit more. Like what, for instance? I just mean, a, a jump forward sort of thing. So um, the conversation between Peggy and Pete, for me. Okay. I mean, I was like, <sighs> I feel like that could have been so much more drama right okay but the thing is that's what i that's what i normally go for is i like those sort of high drama things but instead they're sort of having a nice sit down on the sofa Mm -hmm. and she's just like oh yeah by the way i had your baby and gave it away and then he all he says is like what (laughs) but he doesn't even like really raise his voice you know he's just sort of like what how could I not have known about this? And then she sort of gets up and delicately walks out of the room and he doesn't stop her or anything. And right. you're like, what? <laughs> Fair enough. Fair but enough. yeah, anyway. No lies detected. Um, <laughs> what did you th- What did you make of the episode as a whole? Um, like, what did you think? What, the theme. Let's take the theme. Let's okay. take the, the title. And the all theme right. Like so, well, first of all, before we go into the theme, I read this for, for whatever reason. I read the episode title as being "Mediations of an Emergency." Yeah. So I spent the entire time I was watching it trying to figure out what the mediation was. But actually, it kind of works because there's a lot of like mediation going on. There is actually in some ways. So yeah, it agree. works. But I mean, I, I didn't see any meditation. So actually, perhaps mediations uh, would have worked better. I think that, um, you're right though about the mediation. That's really good. Yeah. It's kind of weird, isn't it? But um, what did I think the theme was about? Well, I, I guess for me, when I watched it, I think the back the backdrop of the nuclear war mm-hmm. or the uh, forthcoming or proposed or whatever you want to call it, nuclear war, mm-hmm. I think for me, 
was like the perfect backdrop for this episode because it was all about that kind of like everyone sort of going to the place they or trying to get to the place they wanted to be most mm. in the world. Okay. Also, oh, or they how they kind of thought about that because it's sort of like you know um, I don't want to go into it in too much detail, but like uh, how Betty sort of has a last fling of freedom. Yeah. Do you know because that's where she'd rather be. Don decides he'd rather be with Betty. Then, like, I think in the last episode, it has been a while, but uh, in the last episode, wasn't he, like, on drugs in California or something? No, that was the one before. Okay, well, I'm sorry. I completely <laughs> blanked the last episode then. But... The last episode is where he was um, with Anna. He went to oh, go see yeah. Anna. I quite like that episode. Yeah, his mother figure. Yep. Um, but, yeah, and it was a lot about, you know... Um, People who liked making money went back to making money. And I don't know. I just kind of felt like there was a lot of like in the face of war, in the face of imminent doom. Yeah. People were just going to the place they felt the most. Interesting. That's comfort. That's kind of what I got. What about you? Hit me. (sighs) I don't know, man. I find it very difficult to explain this episode. Um, I think so... Yeah, okay, so starting starting with what you said, I think there's a lot of that where people are going back to um returning to stuff or so let's let's take but Don for instance. So the last episode that he was in, he was with Anna and he kind of rekindled this idea of Anna being his mother figure or something and like he okay. kind of has this that's what I felt about Anna in that episode. And I feel like he comes back to this episode and the reason he wants to get back with Betty is because he sees her, he now sees her in the same way. It's almost reminded him of why, like Anna reminded him of why he wanted to be with Betty. And he comes back wanting to do that again. Like one, he sees Betty in that kind of way. And I'll sort of talk about that uh, more later. But yeah, the, the idea of returning to things is kind of true. But then... There's so much more to it. There's so much going on in it. Um, so let's take meditations in an emergency. The first thing I think of when I think of meditations in an emergency, and it's interesting that you kind of talked about how everyone's really, you know, really sort of, they don't really do anything. They're just, there's like, it's almost the end of the world and like nobody cares. It's almost, they're just kind of going about their things. Yeah. Well, I think it's a little bit that, but a lot of like, I mean, I, I actually was going to, sorry to interrupt. I was going to go into it, but sort of like it's how different people react to it. So it's like there's the people who distract themselves with like the office gossip. There's the people who return to the ones they love. There's the people who suddenly see it as an inspiration to go for what they want. So it's how everyone reacts to to the emergency, I guess. Distractions is the perfect word, right? So distractions. Um, Meditations Emergency, we first saw the book Meditations Emergency in the show in the first episode, right? And the first time we see it... We did? Yes, we did. And I don't know if you you might not remember because it was so long ago. (laughs) But um, the first time we see it is Don is kind of basically um, skiving off work and kind of eating a breakfast at a bar. Right. And he sees this guy um, reading the book. Okay. And he says to this guy, what's that book you're reading? The guy says, you wouldn't like it. you're square or whatever. You, it's not, it's not <laughs> I remember that line. You wouldn't like it. Um, <laughs> and and Don sort of, because of that, buys the book. And I think that's the whole point of the book is like this distraction. He was being, he was distracted from his work anyway. He was, he was doing something that he wasn't supposed to do. Mm. Remember that episode was, uh, a lot of the theme was um, what you're supposed to do versus what you want to do. Mm. Um, and he kind of was, 
you know, skiving off work, doing distracted, not doing what he was supposed to do. And then he got this book because this guy kind of distracted him with the fact that um, he wouldn't like the book. So that's the reason why he got the book. Second time we see the book is when Anna is trying to get him to see um, another way of living. And he doesn't want to see it. He kind of like completely is like saying, I'm, I don't want anything to do with this, um, these tarot cards that you're reading. I don't want anything to do with them. And he's kind of like, sort of, again, distracting himself by saying, have you seen, have you read this book yet? Um, so I think that's why a lot of this episode is about, a lot of this whole show is about distractions and not dealing with the imminent danger of like, you know, of dying and sort of trying to distract yourself from that. Okay. Uh, also, Meditations in an Emergency, a lot of the characters use that kind, it's like this kind of um, feeling of, um, it's like the feeling of um, calmness is kind of like not taking on the world and not panicking. And when things are going bad, sort of ignoring it. And then there's also the fact that the book, the poem, the book of poems, Meditations in an Emergency, um, that Helen is now looking at, um, is basically, I don't know, have you ever read the poem, the book of poems? Do you know what? I can't, I don't get poetry. I'm I, of, I love, I'm a big reader, but I just, I can't with poetry because I'm just, I just don't know what it's talking about <laughs> ever. <laughs> I totally agree. Neither, neither do I, right? But I read that book cover, cover to cover because I wanted to know. You did? Yeah, I did. I tried to, like, tried to read it, tried to get it. Don't get it at all. But I think that's the point. I think that's a lot of the point. Not, maybe not all of it. The book is really sort of written in this really sort of, none of it really makes sense it's full of coded kind of ideas and kind of and it's very much and i think the way to read poetry is very much the way i i watch Mad Men, where you can you can lose yourself in the meanings of what's going on you could take it out of face value which you know with Mad Men makes a lot of sense but with that book makes no sense whatsoever and everything's kind of coded and everything has this kind of like double meanings and stuff and that's what that book is about. And that's what this episode is about. And the whole Gosh, show as a, as a whole. That's so poetic. <laughs> get it? So there's, <laughs> I get it. You're a poet <laughs> and you didn't realise. Um, so, yeah. So I think there's loads of that stuff in there. And I think the whole episode goes into um, how words are powerful and how they can be used and how their meaning changes and how in the same way that, like, there's this thing that Lacan talks about. There's this this um this quote that he has, which is that um the human consciousness is shaped like a language, and what he means by that is the way we look at language and the way we look at words and how they can change their meanings and stuff is how we look at life and how I you know we can look at people and they can change their meanings to us and stuff like that, and that's kind of what's going on in the whole episode. And there's more stuff, but I think that's ultimately it. And I think that's about as deep as I'm going to try and get for the rest of the show. We're just going to talk about everything normally because right. I think it's really confusing. Okay. Okay. So this episode is a poem. So let's start with, should we start at the beginning with Betty in the doctor's office? Let's start with Can that. I just say though, yeah. when did her and Don last have sex? Is so, it Don's baby? Well, yeah, it's got to be. Because... Well, the... I don't know. I literally can't remember. So... <laughs> <laughs> I know she did something with like the stable boy or whatever like she didn't do anything with him, but like she did um they remember when she went they went to her parents they went to her parents house and then they st they shared a room okay in her old bedroom and then they got busy and then they got busy 
And then they split up properly. And that's when Don ended up leaving and going to LA. That happened to my friend. Really? No. Oh. <laughs> um, but okay. I mean, I, I thought it would be Don's baby. But... And then, and then in the last episode, there was that bit where um, Betty was talking to Sally and Sally said, you've got some blood on you. And then they kind of cut it short. So they kind of been dropping seeds oh. through the whole thing. But he's at the duff. Betty's in the, the doctor's duff, yes. office. Yes. Still managing to look sensational. <laughs> so um, interesting and somewhat topical given the time about, yeah. you know, because she inquired yeah. about um, getting an abortion in, in, in. And again, I guess with your double meaning thing, I mean, there was a lot of, I mean, they understood what each other were talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that line, I can't have a baby. Yeah. But I they, can't have a baby. They never say the words. They never they? say the words. And then, yeah. oh, that's for young girls or whatever, isn't it? Well, he said he dismisses her. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's um, it's a it's a great scene because I love that, that shot of her just sitting on the... With her skirt all like that. Skirt, yeah, yeah, it's so amazing. cool. And I, I've, I've, I got really confused when I was first looking at it, trying to figure out like why she looks at that picture on the wall. The, of the deers. Of the deer, I, yeah. I took a, a mental note of that because I was like, that's going to have a meaning. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I, I, the only thing I can think of is, okay, so when she looks at that deer, it's like a, it's a, I guess it's a mother deer yeah, and yeah, it's like yeah. a little baby. Yeah, yeah. And she looks at it like with disdain, almost like, I don't... I don't like that, right? And I think for me, as we see for the episode, she, I think she has a problem with this idea of raising a child on her own, like a baby on her own. That's that's what I'm, Ooh, I'm taking from it. Yeah. And and I think part of another another theme in this episode is this idea of mothers and fathers, or really um, good and bad. Or <laughs> I'm trying to say it without getting into too much Freudian stuff, but basically. The, um, having two things to, having having options, having a good and a bad option or a right and a left way to turn. And with what with only one parent, you don't have that ideal. Does that make sense? No. Um, I'm, I mean, I guess. <laughs> so you think about like a child and then you think about a, par- a mother and a father. Yeah, a good one and a bad one. Yes, or sort of a, a light one and a dark one. Like a good cop, bad cop yeah. type of situation. Yeah. And there's always a choice that you can make between which one you go with. You can always go with the right... With the, well, with she the... comments on that, doesn't she? So, oh, it must be nice to be able to disappear whenever you want, like later on in the episode. That's yeah, what yeah. Betty so says. You, so, yeah. you have a choice. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and, sh- and I think she's looking at that thinking she doesn't want that. And then there's this guy, this doctor, who's kind of, you know, very patriarchal, sort of like, he does, yeah, he's kind of doing all these things, kind of like suggesting that he's like the patriarchy thing, and he's kind of like telling her what to do and all this kind of stuff. And she just walks out of the door, which is really cool. And leaves it open. And just leaves it open, yeah. Do you think there's any symbolism in her leaving the door open? I don't... Like, like she's leaving the door open to have a baby? No, I, it's probably more about her... Well, for me, it's probably more of, about her... Um, uh, not shutting the door, like not 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 being fully um, committed to yeah. walking away. Um, yeah. Okay. But yeah, I, I really liked it. Anything else you want to say? No, I'm um, okay. good. We're gonna try and rush through these because we could be here for four four hours if if not. So, so what happens next? So what happens next is um, we see um, Harry. Oh yeah. Harry trying to find the ad revenue for Well, that's one that they remember clearer still, isn't it? 
Yeah, and so, so there's so in the fine. So I'm gonna try and do this thing that I did last time, where I sort of like tried to link the ep- like each scene. Right. So like in the first scene we see is about um, a lot about this idea of speaking and anxiety and saying words and stuff. And in this scene, all the guys are talking like they're so. So Betty kind of is very sort of in the first scene. She's very kind of hides her anxiety a bit and tries to kind of not say anything. And when she leaves, she doesn't tell anybody. She just leaves. Um, well, in, in this scene, all the guys are kind of really loud and sort of talking about the things that are worrying them. They're worried about like, you know, what's going to, where's Don? Well, nobody knows where Don is and what's what's going on with him. And they, they come up with all these excuses and stuff just to kind of make themselves feel better to sort of relieve their anxiety. Um, and um, the only person in the scene who is very quiet is Peggy. Um, who doesn't say anything. Um, and I think that's kind of, again, in the first scene, it was the man being very sort of patriarchal and sort of like, sort of telling Betty what she should do with her life and sort of Betty doesn't say anything back. And in this scene, the guys are kind of dominating the room, even though Peggy has all the information. Does that make sense? Well, it's 19... It's 1970. It's 1962. Is it? Yeah, I think it's 1962, yeah. I guess so, because it was the Vietnam War was in the 70s, wasn't it? So yes. I, yeah, so it yes. would have been 1960s, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so... Yeah, I, I think that scene's all about anxiety and um, holding information back and all that kind of stuff, which is really cool. Anything you want to add? No. <laughs> no? Okay. I just... I, like... I don't know. I mean, they, they, they're a bit flappy, those men, aren't they? They're just sort of... I guess it's like anything at work. They're worried about their jobs. Yeah. Um, which just shows that they're all talk, really, because the whole way through, we've kind of seen them as being cocky, arrogant. True. And all of a sudden, the tables are turned. And without yeah. their jobs, who well, are they? Well, there's this... There's this. Well, it's not even that it's their jobs. It's more the fact that they don't know what's going yeah, on yeah, with yeah. their jobs. And they're just completely... And I think, again this whole idea of words and how they have meaning and how they affect us um, because they don't actually have a word to describe what's going on at the moment. They're just freaking out because they don't know what's going on and they can't put a word to it or a, like an actual yeah. sign or a meaning to it. Um, so we'll move on to the next scene, um, <clears throat> which is Peggy then going to visit Pete and telling him to tell the truth. Yeah. So it's about Clarissa, isn't it? She doesn't get on with his yeah. father-in-law. Yeah. She's just like, just tell, tell the truth. They'll respect you more that way. Yeah. And yet she hasn't told the truth. This is true. Her oh, whole t- yeah. The whole time. I didn't follow that. Yeah. And I think for her, the episode's a lot about truth, isn't it? I think for all of them, yeah. I think for, well, because what is the truth really? Like, the truth is something... Again, I'm going to try not to do this, but the truth is really something it's it's hard to it's very hard to express as I'm finding it's very hard to express the very the the, the fundamental truth. You can only get bits of it really. No, I disagree. The really? fact there's facts here. The fact is they lost Clearasil because Pete and his dad-in-law didn't get along, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the truth. The yes. T- the, the the non-truth would be sugarcoating it in any other way. Right. Okay. When I say that it's hard to 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 get to the truth, I'm talk- I guess I'm talking on a, on a more thematic level. But you're right. In this case, 
him telling the truth is quite easy to do. <laughs> so I'm probably just running away with myself. But it, it is, but the whole thing, that whole like threat of nuclear war. Mm. I mean, that's the whole episode. That I guess is people trying to figure out some sort of truth. Like, what is the truth? Yeah. And being either unable to accept it or just accepting fate. Yeah. Or revealing it just to kind of, you know, I think. And that's the thing is it that people don't always know how to tell the truth. I mean, you know, you didn't get the job for this reason or this person is, you know, this is what I, but it's a lot of it's like opinion or sugar coating. Yes. Or like, even with like, you know, later on when they're like, they shampooed the carpets. It's like, there's, yeah. there's, it's always a kind of a false impression. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I think, you know, I think there's a lot in this episode of sort of more, I want to say like naked truth, just a bit like, you know what, instead of, pussyfooting around mm. just let's just say it let's just go yeah let's, let's do it let's just go with the, the 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 raw feeling that we have and um not try to kind of and some analyze it yeah and some truths are easy to say as we witness with sort of pete's journey um because he tells draper a very easy truth yeah but then there are some that are hard for him to say well i also think with truth or with just the fact by the fact that we speak, like we can't, it's, I think it's, I, I'm going to push back on you saying it's easy to tell the truth because it is in, it, it kind of is, but it's like, it's easy to talk about, like to say facts, like to say, for instance, your cat just walked into the room or whatever. That's kind of like an easy thing to say, but to express your emotion, how you feel about something, that's almost impossible actually, because but that's what I'm saying. I mean, you look at the two reveals of the truth that Pete gives in this episode. The first one, he strolls into Don Draper's office, mm-hmm. sits down. Oh, I got to tell you this. This oh. is what was his name. Duck told me. Yeah. You know, that's an easy truth because yeah. it's not really his truth. He in, you know. But then that's a fact. the second, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. That's a fact. Yeah. And that's the difference. Is it's uh... the between the fact? What is the difference between the fact and the truth? Well, is there really any? But of course, with the heart, there always is because it's because I think people don't always understand their own emotions and therefore they can never be true fact. There we go. Fair enough. That's very, very good. Um, Thanks. (laughs) I've got I've got nothing. I've got no notes. Um, I've got nothing to add. Uh, That's really good. Um, So when so I guess when Pete goes, when Peggy goes, so when she when Peggy tells Pete to tell the truth, he kind of. For the rest of the episode, we see him take that on, <laughs> take that on, and uh, in uh, in spades, I guess he does. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so moving on to the next scene. So this is uh this is Don coming in, um, bumping into Betty. When she's he doesn't driving. bump into Betty. Okay, okay? <laughs> he's like stalking her at the stables. <laughs> what do you think of this scene? Well, first of all, I mean, let's talk about Betty. What was the advice the doctor gave her? No horse riding. What's the first thing you see her doing is horse riding. (laughs) So my thing is, my question is, was she intentionally trying to get rid of the baby? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, without saying anything. Yeah, she was... um, Yeah, I don't think she... She really does not want that baby. Um, What did you think about what Don was saying? Because for me, like, Don was very... I think he was... I think he was trying to be honest. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Is... It's truth again. And it's like, is... Because I think he would have known about the 
war, wouldn't he? So I I don't remember. Well, he doesn't yet. No, he doesn't. He doesn't know about. No, the war. he doesn't know what's going on yet. He just wants, like I said before, I think he's just trying to get back with her. But in the same way, I think he sees Betty the same way he sees um, Anna. And Anna to him is like this mother figure that looks after him and cares about him and all. And he doesn't have to do anything. He can just kind of like waltz in and say what he wants. And she'll be sort of like looking after him and sort of mothering him and all this kind of stuff. And that's what he's saying when he's saying to, I want to, I want to be with you and all this kind of stuff. That's kind of, I think he's kind of figured that out in his head. But when he's talking to her, what she hears is a different thing like she well i don't think she kind of knows what she's hearing and that's kind of why she doesn't want to well, take it's it on a, a, a sort of kind of a rubbish apology isn't it really i didn't treat you very well no you fucking didn't <laughs> like you cheated on her and all this kind of stuff and... but she does this thing as well like keeping up with that theme that we were talking about where she asks him to tell her exactly what he did like she wants him to put a name to it so she doesn't feel crazy mm. yeah so, yeah so that I yeah, I mean, she says, she says she says a couple of things. She said, "Oh, it must be nice to be able to do whatever you want or whatever." Yeah. And then she said, "Oh, you know, when he tells her, oh, I treated you badly or whatever," and she's like, "Well, now at least I know I'm not crazy." Yeah, exactly. So he 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 almost validates her, doesn't yeah. he? And it's kind of, but Validation's there's a there's a bit of a a power a power drift a power switch there in a way it's kind of like and i think for this episode it's a lot about betty's power switch yeah and also same power switch she kind of had keep betty keep or gains the power by not letting don know what she's gonna do exactly but this is what i'm saying is it's it it's almost like when you're first dating someone or as a woman like there's a book called the game like it's terrible don't read it but <laughs> i did and one of the things that it says it literally says just ignore, if a guy if you're interested in a guy and he starts to be interested in you yeah. ignore him and it does work because oh. if you like if they because they'll start texting you or whatever yeah. and you just give like flippant replies or like oh i'm busy doing this or I'm going out here or whatever like I'm too busy for you wow. and it's like that makes them want you more apparently wow, really? because suddenly it's not just I mean it it did work until he cheated on me but then <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's that thing where you just it is like a power thing it is like you suddenly have all the power right. and they'll bend over backwards to do what you want so what you're saying is if you ask, if you're sort of texting a girl and she's really flippant with you and acting like she doesn't care, what she's actually doing is trying to get you involved and interested, and not ignoring you because she's not interested. Now the the <laughs> danger with this theory is that she is genuinely not interested, right? Okay, and then okay. you start harassing her. Right. Okay. But <laughs> yeah. if it's someone that you're in, <laughs> interested, it's a fine line, guys. Right. Um, but I guess the point that I'm making is it is almost goes back to the point when they first start dating where it's like you remember i mean i do remember this because she said she was a model and he like bought yeah. her a coat yeah. and all this sort of stuff and he did all these things for her yeah. and it's kind of like it's almost like that again right and right. it is and that sort of echoes through the episode with the letter and all yeah, this kind of thing yeah, yeah. is that he'll do anything to appease her yeah. and suddenly she has this position of power and i think that's reflected in her, her actions later in the episode fascinating so that's really cool so it just kind of, again, just kind of hammers home this idea of, I think something we haven't said is anxiety. So val validation, anxiety, these are two things that keep coming up 
um, it's cool. I like it. It's all really interesting. Um, I don't know how the next scene um, plays into that, but let's move on. What's the next scene? The next scene is Pete visits Duck, who tells him a secret, then promotes him, and Pete looks unsure. So that's when Pete. So Pete goes into the office to talk to Duck to tell him, like, you know, I've lost Clearasil. Oh yeah. And then um, Duck is all like. He's like, that's a it. sticky wicket, he says or something, <laughs> doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he Which I've never it. understood that phrase. <laughs> I, don't, I, I can't actually, no. I, I don't even have my own theory on that one, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, this is kind of... What did I say about this? I said it's kind of like... Oh, yeah. So this is where it gets into weird theory. So basically what we've got is we've got um, both Pete and um, Duck who work in accounts. Mm. They deal with accounts. They're basically the same, um, and like repels like, and two thi- two, those two things can't go together. And I think that's kind of what this scene is about, this kind of the two of the... And, and also because they talk about um, how Clearasil is... Um, they what, 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 um, Duck says to Pete that they can't have Clearasil anyway because they've already got a company that does that. So they kind of like two things that are the same, that they can't be in the same thing. And I think that is, and it'll sort of, again, this is the whole very deep theory that I don't want to get into. It, do you know much about semi- semiotics? I've asked you this before. I, um, I, don't, I, I don't have a huge amount of knowledge on semiotics. I know what semiotics are. Right, and you know that you've got like a signified and a signifier we have been through this yes but it doesn't always stick right okay so like so okay very very briefly it's think about like so think of it in in um um, sterling and cooper you have you've got the creatives and you've got the accounts people Mm -hmm. they're like the and you can sort of say they're like the signifiers versus the signifiers and signifiers and signifieds go together and they make a sign, which is kind of like this meaning thing. Right. And you need these two things to go together. It's like men and women going together. Right. It's like good and bad. It's like these things go together to make a whole, to make a sign. And in this case, um, Duck and Pete are kind of trying to make this union, but Pete, as you can see at the end of the scene, doesn't really trust it. And it's not until later when he talks to Don that he feels some kind of trust or some sort, even though he doesn't actually like Don, there's a kind of union there that they can go both believe in. Do you see where I'm coming from? Does it yeah, yeah, sense? no, I do. I do see it. It's and like, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a tricky one. It is tricky. It's really... Because I kind of get what you're getting at. Yeah. That basically duck repels... Yeah. Pete, because yeah. they're on the same, like, even though there's a benefit in it for him, yeah. it's not, it's, it's, to me, it was almost like the, first of all, two things. First of all, does anyone actually like Duck? Like, I mean, <laughs> like, I feel like he's been in so many episodes and I just don't like him I, that much. I think, well, ever since the dog, I think he's the villain. Well, that's it. So, so it's like, we don't like Duck anyway. Yeah. And then if you think about that on a human level, like if you don't like someone, would you want them to be in a position of power like the president? Yeah. Well, so I do sort of feel it's a little bit like, I mean, it's always, Peter's always kind of wanted to impress Don, hasn't he? It's always been his like thing. It's like there was 
I think in the past we've sort of talked about some sort of weird he wants him to be his dad situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, th- I think it's it, on the surface, possibly not as deep as signifiers and signified and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I think it's just like Pete doesn't want Duck to be in power. Right, okay, okay. It's interesting you say that because at the end of the scene, I love, it's really subtle, but like, the way the scene ends is you hear, you see a, a, a picture of um, a shot of um, Duck sort of sitting at his desk. And then you hear the um, the sound of um, President Kennedy's voice. And it's like the two sort of oh. together. And it's like, it's like um, you know, um, um, what's his name? Duck's idea of himself as he just sits there. The, the boss so, of everything. Can I ask a question about Duck? Because I've forgotten, and there is a comment made in this episode, but it does... So when Pete goes in and he's pouring the drink, he says, oh, what's your poison? Mm. And Pete says, I don't know. Mm. And then he says, whatever you're having. Oh, yeah. Is Pete... Is Duck having a drink? I think he is, yeah. But I thought he didn't drink. Well, that's that all changed, didn't it? When, when um, did it change? It changed when he made the deal to sell the company. <laughs> see i forgot and that's another thing that's another change of meaning isn't it it's another kind of like you know we've always seen duck as this teetotaler but now he's kind of a totally different thing and that's what pete's kind of because he wasn't being so in order to, he had to change who he was in order to or not not who he was but because he, he was a recovering alcoholic before wasn't yeah. he and then he went to go and see the bosses of the new company. Yeah. And then they kind of forced him to have a drink. I remember now, yeah. Which is really interesting. I can't wait till we get to that scene. Okay. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, let's just put it that way. It's that kind of thing where even the point where he's like, what's your poison? He's like, I don't know, whatever, whatever you're drinking. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And it's almost like you could think if Duck goes down, Pete's going to go down with him because they're drinking poison. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just making shit up now, but like you like it, so like I'm going to carry on. <laughs> um, so moving on to the next scene. So all right, I'm going to go off on a tangent for a second here, but I think it's interesting. So um, we see Kennedy on the TV um, talking and sort of like doing this big speech, this very famous speech about how they found um, about the Cuban, Cuban missile, missiles, Cuban yeah, missile crisis, and how they've they how oh god, there's so much I want to say about the Cuban missile Cuban missile crisis. Ultimately, the Cuban missile crisis came about, as far as I can figure out, and I'm sure there's other things to this as well. But f- for the purposes of this episode, the Cuban missile crisis came about because America had weapons hidden around Italy or somewhere around there. And I think Russia wanted to do the same thing. But in Cuba. In Cuba, yeah. So it's like America seeing something that someone... uh, Russia seeing what America has and wanting the same thing. I think that's part of it. And that's part of what's going on in this episode as well, where people derive meaning from other people. So they see what someone else has got and they want the same thing. Does that make sense? No, it does, yeah. Um, it just baffles me in general that people, <laughs> anyone has nuclear missiles yeah, anywhere. But okay. totally. But it's, I guess it's that keeping up with the Joneses kind of mentality. Oh, is it? Or is it just a power? Is it just as we were saying a power struggle like this whole episode? Yeah, it's yeah. just like this person has this, so I want that. That's 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 a great way of putting it as well. Um, um, and there's also this thing about um, Kennedy about him having lots of affairs. Yeah. And just the fact that. 
at this time when Kennedy was making this address, he was having loads of affairs and he and I think he had like some Ill- illegitimate child that came out like years later. And there's <laughs> there's more there's more stuff there, but um I think that's kind of I think it's very subtly nodded to in this in this in the episode. But I don't know. Um it's just something that came up to me when I was watching it. Um and, and doing lots of research and stuff. Um but what do you think Don is thinking when he picks up the phone and then puts it down? Who do you think is gonna ring? And what do you think he's gonna do? I don't even remember that. So he's watching the TV and he's watching the address and he picks up the phone while it's on and then he thinks to himself and then he just puts it down. Is this when he comes in from the rain? This is this is before just before he comes in from the rain. So this is when he's in his hotel room. Oh, no, I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> my, my memory is not great, everyone. The, um, only, the I, only reason I bring it up is because it's, it reminds me of what you were saying, um, you know, that, that book you were talking about. The game? Is it the game? What game? Oh, the game. Yeah. The, the, um, the, the one the I've read. The dating thing. Oh, no, that's the one. The one? The dating one? Yeah. It's a book about um, a guy who creates, like, you find your perfect match or whatever. No, so you were telling us about... Um, how... Oh, the book, the game, yeah. the dating thing. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I went off on a thriller tangent there, everyone. Sorry about that. Um, there's a new book out called The Game. It's very good. <laughs> okay. um, anyway, but the original game, the game about the dating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the thing you were saying about the girl... Yeah, the power should... struggle thing. Power so struggle, yeah. he's going to call her, but then he's like, no, I'm not giving her the power. Yeah, exactly. That's what, yeah, when you said that. That's yeah, so was... absolutely. It yeah. is that whole thing. Because, like, even when it is the game, yeah. like, and the guy texts you, I mean, underneath it all, yeah. you're like, oh, my God, he texts me. Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> but on the surface, you're like, no, I'm not going to text back for cool. four hours. So everyone's being cool. So everyone, so I'm playing it cool. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 maybe he's playing it cool. Absolutely. Maybe he's calling Betty and playing it cool. Right, okay. I mean, I guess you could say, is he calling Anna? But I doubt that's the case. But, yeah, so he puts the phone down. And then the next scene is we see him full of beans walking into the office um, out of the rain. Um, <laughs> Everyone stares at him as he walks through. And he looks like on top of the world. He's like a hero returning home sort of thing. <laughs> I, I want to say thing, uh, the thematic thing about the, the rain. Okay. Right? So I think... Um, I'm trying to figure out what rain means. Um, remember we had the hailstones when him and um, Bobby were getting it on in the car. Um, I feel that's quite a... I thought because it's hailstone, it's cold. It's like, you know, and cold kind of relates to women in some sort of way. And like, um, I think when things heat up, it's more about men. And I think the rain is something about him having the power. Like It's like, it's almost like the, the, the cold... Um, hailstones have melted and it's him in power now and that's kind of why you see the rain I think I'm not entirely sure but that's um, my read on that what do you think <laughs> I don't know I just thought it's nobody mentions the weather today and it's that whole thing of like oh, there's a whole storm the raging outside oh right nobody mentions the storm that's because they're so distracted by the sight of Don Draper. I don't know. 
no, that's that's cool. Yeah. I just kind of thought because I mean, you see it again when he kind of walks into his office and there's all the mail there, and you yeah. can see it like proper hammering out yeah, down outside yeah, yeah. through the window. And no one mentions the rain. Nobody mentions it. And it did actually rain on that day as well. Um, oh, well, yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's really cool. I'd never thought about that. Um, because for me, this scene, um, this whole so when he walks into the office, this is like a whole setup for a whole um thematic thing that goes over the next three scenes which is basically who don is to all these different people mm. so we see don first speaking to peggy and peggy's all giggly and all sort of like you know like a little schoolgirl, like with a big crush and then she then he talks to um joan and joan is kind of like a mother to him and she's sort of like and but he's like telling her what to do and he's kind of like very bossy but at the same time she's kind of like um taking all these things in and sort of organizing his life sort of thing and then pete comes in and pete's kind of like i don't know pete's angry with him but then the meaning changes there where all of a sudden don's back in control and it just kind of keeps shifting the whole time yeah and i found that really interesting how it all kind of over these next three scenes like how everything kind of all the all the meanings of what don is kind of come always like constantly changes um, and I think that's a huge part of, you know, again, the theme of what meaning is and what words are and how they can kind of change meaning uh, depending on the context and stuff. Yeah. It's quite prodigal son, isn't it? Prodigal son returns. It is very prodigal son returns as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's very, I don't know, he, he does seem like, when he walks through the office, I, I just see him as quite, a, you know, a hero return yeah yeah no it is that very like you walk in and everyone sort of turns to look at him doesn't, <laughs> doesn't it and it's like you're a bit like wow if this was like a chick flick he'd be like strut in yeah yeah you know? totally so <laughs> um should we should we go through each of the next scenes or should we just because there's loads of stuff about female versions of dawn and male versions of dawn and super egos and stuff i don't really want to get into because it could just get confusing but ultimately in the next couple of scenes, Don for me kind of changes a lot of um, a lot of meaning, and that's the big thing I take away from it. Can I just say, if anyone does want to hear all these things that Fola is thinking, because <laughs> he's probably just assuming it will go, or, or not assuming, knowing it will go straight over my head. <laughs> so you should email and ask him to do a special one or about it. You should stay tuned because me and Helen, I, I was going to say this, we're going to talk about what we're going to do with all this information because I don't know what to do with it. Loads <laughs> it's of a it. surprise. <laughs> I didn't even know we we're going to do that. But all right, fine. So which which um, scene are we, are we going to? So we're jumping to when Don visits Roger's office. So we don't actually go, we don't, well, we just miss going through all the different people, right? Yeah. Right. So he goes to Roger's office. Fine. Yeah, and they have this weird conversation about how things have changed. Again, you know, like I was saying about meaning and like how things change um, their meaning depending on the context. I think this kind of is the button. This is kind of like the full stop to it all. Sort of the idea that Don has now come to the office and he's found out everything's changed. And Roger's told him that the, the office isn't what you thought it was anymore. We've sold it. You're now a millionaire. Like who you are has changed. And all of this stuff is kind of all new to him and he didn't do anything. It's just everything's new now. And the meaning again has changed because of the context. But yeah, Don doesn't seem to give a crap about any of it. 
Uh, I think he does. Well, I think he's more kind of... I think because... I think you can take the way he walks into the office at the beginning where he's in control and he's the boss and, you know, he can... He just feels on top of the world. And then in this scene, it's like he has no control. Like, everything changed and he had nothing to do with it. He didn't lift a finger. Yeah, but at the same time, it has... Other than... Being, it's had no negative impact on him, really, has it? Because, yeah. I mean, I looked up, he, he he got half a million. Yeah. Which, by today's money, is like three and a half million, I yeah. think. Yeah, So, it's sort of like, he just gets that. He hasn't lost anything. He hasn't you know, lost anything, It's yeah. kind of like, that's the thing, is it's been out of control, but, but that's, he, he hasn't lost. But that's what I mean. Like, so he's... I think there's something... Um, I think the the real sort of enjoyment you get in life is by being in control and changing things on your own and sort of making things happen. I don't know. If someone just gave me three and a half million, I'd probably be pretty happy. Yeah, you'd feel it for a second, but it's like there's something about actually being... Like, for instance, doing this podcast for, like, no money. I love it. (laughs) I spend a lot of time doing it, but I love it and I do it for... And I I say I would do it for free. I pretty much do. I actually do do it for free. Uh, but like I, I enjoy that you know what I mean and that's kind of where I get a lot of so do you think yeah, go going a bit philosophical now if someone was paying you to do this you would enjoy it as much yeah I'd still enjoy it because I'd still be doing the same thing um, I, it's not really about the money though I mean the money would make it easier mm. but actually doing the thing it's not the money that makes me enjoy it and what I'm saying about Don is yes he's been given lots of money but he didn't work for it so it's not i don't even think that he's sad about the money it's just like mm. well, that's what i mean that's what i'm saying is he doesn't seem bothered no. like by any of it like he doesn't go i mean the, he does sort of raise his eyebrows when he hears that he's got half a million quid or, or, or dollars sorry um yeah. but it doesn't i mean he, even even when roger's like oh i've got a 20 year old fiance and blah blah, blah. yeah and he's like, oh, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, it's like he's not, it does nothing, none of that phases him. And I think it's because he's fixated on the, the issue with Betty. Well, yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. Um, <laughs> no, because um, I think you're right. I, that's another thing that comes into it as well. This, you know, that idea of distractions and sort of being distracted by something that you think defines you. Or yeah. A way of being. Yeah. And that's, again, I don't think the money is what he wants. What he wants, it's like what I was saying about this podcast. I like doing this podcast because I feel like in some way it kind of gives meaning to me. And I think Don is obsessed with Betty over the money and over the, um, you know, the nuclear war. Because that kind of helps him define himself. It, he, All he really wants, I think, is like a mother. Like, just ought to belong to a family that loves him. And he's... Yeah, that's all he cares about. And I totally agree with what you're saying. It's like, that's the, the important thing to him. Mm. So he kind of, when he finds out he's a millionaire or whatever, he's just kind of like, oh, cool. <laughs> um, uh, so anyway, moving on. So the, uh, before we do move on, um, this idea of meaning and words defining things and sort of relieving anxiety is then carried on into the next scene, which is basically... Um, Father Gill using words to uh, relieve the anxiety of an entire congregation of people um, through prayer. Yeah. So they're not actually doing anything, right? They're just sitting there praying or just sort of like saying what they want to happen. And 
before I go, what do you think about that? <laughs> before I go, I don't. I, I mean, this scene. It was one of those typical Mad Men scenes where I start watching it and I have no idea what's going on. So I just <laughs> so my mind slowly wanders, and then it because I mean, it's sort of like then I'm, I was I ended up spending more. I wasn't really listening to him yeah. because. I mean, my mother makes me go to church from time to time when I go and visit her and I do the exact same thing where I don't really listen because uh, my, my brain can't focus. But um, what you do do is you, I was watching the people who kept coming in. Did you okay. notice that? No, I did not. So notice. all the way through that scene, yeah. you know, they do that kind of big shot of like all the congregation. There was yeah. constantly people coming into the oh, church. Oh, right, okay. And I, was, and I was like watching it. And I was like thinking, is it one of, like, who are we focusing on here? Okay. And I don't know, it kind of gave me this impression of like, instead of it just being individuals as a mass, as humans as a mass. Right, yeah listening consuming believing this is the truth and actually i did want to have i had a little anecdote for this which is years ago when i was training to be a journalist for my dissertation for my university project i focused on um christianity okay don't ask me why um but basically i went around london and interviewed (laughs) like a whole bunch of vicars and priests and all people from all different religions and all sorts of things yeah and i went to this one church in knightsbridge and at the time, it was like just after the credit crunch and all oh, that okay. kind of stuff. Oh, wow. And I was like, well, he's like, have you, you know, how have, how have numbers been, like congregation numbers? He said, oh, well, normally it's been dwindling, but since the credit crunch, yeah. we've had loads. And he says, bad bad news is good for business in the church. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that's always kind of stuck with me as a really like weird thing to say. Yeah. But I think it's proven, it's well, not proven, but it's kind of like, it really shows there because by the constant stream of people, yeah. coming in you know wanting that to be what he's saying they want this vicar to be telling the truth they yeah. want to be saved they want you know wow. it's interesting you said that's that's cool um when you were talking about that then i was just thinking about this congregation or this mass of people and the fact that you couldn't because i couldn't see peggy in the room no i couldn't I, that's why i was looking at the people coming in couldn't figure out where she yeah. was and it kind of reminds me again back to the theme of the episode that I think this idea of language you know I was saying before about how language is hard to it does it it does a job but it doesn't do the job perfectly it's hard to describe a feeling well seeing all these people all these people in that room and then not being able to pick Peggy out is kind of like how words can't really define a thing out of context now, if someone said oh there's Peggy you'd be able to pick her out and you'd know exactly who she was but without that, you kind of, it's just a mass of people. It's just a, like your feelings are just this mass of feeling that you can't really explain outside of a context. And it's interesting that it's Father Gill because that shot, I'm assuming, might be wrong. Mm. It's sort of taken from his perspective oh, up yeah. on the oh, stage. Yeah, yeah. And it's like he's talking to everyone yeah. as a mass. Yeah, 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 and then yeah. later on, he talks to Peggy individually yeah. on a much more personal level. Yep. And she can't, to- she can't, she almost can't handle the individual, but yeah. she was okay in with the mass of people. So it's, I, I don't know if there is something in that, uh. but it's that whole thing of like, as if you're in a big crowd, if you're following the herd, so yeah. to speak, it's, it's okay. Yeah. You're with everyone, you're safe. But yeah. when you're singled out as an individual... You have to and, think for yourself. Yeah, and, you know, people are giving you information or asking you questions. You you have to provide you an have, answer. You have to go with your gut exactly. feeling as opposed to just following everyone So else. it's, like, easy to hide within the crowd. Mm. 
That's good. I'd never thought about that, but that's a very good point. <laughs> Full of it today. We could talk about this scene for ages because there's loads uh, yeah, of Yeah, there is there. quite a lot. Although, like I say, I just didn't pick up on the words. And again, I, I never know with these things if it's meant, you know, because you talk about it so much. Sometimes I'm not sure if it's meant, you're meant to doze. You're meant to sort of be focusing on the visuals I, rather than the words. I but think you're supposed to just let it wash over you. Yeah, maybe that's, because um, I mean, could you pick out anything that he said? I picked out loads of stuff and I could go through it, but it's just confusing. So I'm not going to, but, um, let me see. Hang on. What, what, what did I put here? Uh, yeah. So like, yeah, I, I think for, oh, another thing that I didn't point out is this scene, you probably don't remember this, but this scene is very reminiscent of another scene, uh, from a couple of episodes ago when Don was in LA and they were at the, um, they were at the talk for the nuclear weapons. Yeah, I don't remember that. Do you remember when they're in that white room and they're all and like Don? Yeah, actually, vaguely, vaguely. To me, it felt very. I don't know. I don't know if this is what they were going for, but it felt very similar. It's almost like a. It's almost like a, a complete sort of negative version or a positive version. Or is it? Or scene. is it a pitch? Is it like a kind of, you know, Father Gill is pitching. Oh. And in the same way that you would pitch in That's... a room like that, where he's pitching this idea of Jesus, God. Jesus, Christianity, hope, yeah. you know, your you, your enemies will be smited and all that That's, that's yeah, so he's really, yeah, because in the other scene, they're pitching the idea of nuclear weapons and how to sell these nuclear weapons. And yeah, I think there's some, I think there's something there. But anyway, that's, that's what I noticed. I, there's probably more, but let's let's just move on because okay. we're almost up for an hour. Next scene is the hairdressers. So, Oh, I love the scene. It's really... So, okay, so before we go into what's going on in here, I think it has to be an important scene, right? Specifically because... And, you know, this is a... This might be a... You might consider this a spoiler. We'll never see that hairdressers again. They oh. built that hairdressers specifically for this episode. Wow. <laughs> and it's, it's amazing, and right? It's a beautiful hairdresser. <laughs> just, the, just the sofa that she's sitting on. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not a big one for, like, noticing furnishings. Yeah. But, oh, my God, I was like, it looks like a palace. And everything's, <laughs> like, all pastely pinks and greens and blues. And it's yeah. just, like, it's, it's almost got, like, a, a dream-like quality. Like, I love that. I, I mean, just the aesthetics of that scene were gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... I can't. I don't know what the, what the point of the, the it all being set in the the hairdressers was, but there is a theme of across the show of like hair and like hair sort of, I think reflecting some sort of change, like actual sort of a change in a person or a change in the way people think about stuff, and there's something about um, what's her name, um, Francine, kind of being really panicky and sort of talking very much like um father gill in the in the previous scene where father gill's sort of like relieving anxiety by praying and using words and um francine in this scene is very very chatty and sort of she won't shut up about like all the stuff that's going on even though this woman really wants her to she's kind of like no i need to say my piece i need to talk and then later on we see that um peggy sorry not peggy Betty talks to Francine about her problem, which kind of helps her relieve her issues as well. And it's kind of, I don't know, there's something there about the change in these characters through talking through their problems, I think. I mean, I just, so there's a few things for me. Go on. There's a few different things. So first of all, I love the fact they're at the hairdressers, even though the 
the country could be bombed at any moment like yeah. of all the things <laughs> of all the mundane things to do with your last days on the on in the earth or on the earth wow they go to the hairdressers yeah that's a good point. and i kind of love that like i just think you know and they talk about getting their nails done and you know making themselves beautiful yeah but for absolutely what reason yeah yeah is it almost a point it is very much the pinnacle of distraction is making yourself well again it's like the distraction yeah right? yeah no it is so there's that and then there's and it's i guess it's for me it was almost like this thing about how people don't change because now I've forgotten. Don't what change. The, yeah, people don't change because they're like slagging off the woman who has a bomb shelter. Like, do you know what I mean? They're like jealous of the woman who has a bomb shelter. And I was like, I, I, I was just like, what? So, because in previous episode we know there's been a lot of bitchiness and jealousy and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. But today, that yeah. day. It wasn't with who looked at whose husband or whatever. Yeah. It wasn't Helen, the divorcee that lived down the road. <laughs> it was the woman who had a bomb shelter who'd clearly been going around broadcasting this as though it was some sort of good thing to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I don't know. It's that kind of like when the reality changes, mm. so does the the emotion. But the actual behavior doesn't change. Right. It's the I think it's the behavior oh, okay. thing okay. where it's like they still go to the hairdressers, they still gossip, they yeah. still bitchy about each other. Okay, interesting. And it's that whole thing of like, in the grand scheme of things, it's almost like the human brain can't quite in the emergency they can't comprehend the emergency. Guess... The emergency is so great that you just think right, all I can do is keep calm and carry on. It's yeah, that yeah, whole yeah, thing. Yeah, it's interesting because. Um... When I first started watching this episode for this podcast, um, <laughs> um, Ukraine had just been invaded by Russia. Um, there was lots of stuff at my job where people were like leaving. Um, there was just a lot of parallels with this episode. And it was the same sort of thing where people, you kind of, you know, we're obviously we're, in, we're still in the grip of this COVID thing a bit. And it's just, you know, people do try to just, get on with stuff even with even with us when when covid hit and you know everything was going crap we just kept doing this podcast <laughs> well i think we probably did the podcast more uh in the grip of covid than we have done ever since it started to wane down do you uh, know i do miss lockdown sometimes <laughs> i'm not gonna lie kind of kind of it's like all these things happening now and i don't have time to do anything <laughs> yeah, but no. anyway um no i i see what you're saying is it's like people just carry on just carry on because at the end of the day whatever choice is there i mean what can they it's that whole thing of like what can you do about it yeah, yeah. right and and that sounds callous having you just talked about ukraine yeah because obviously that's a that's a horrible thing that's happening but you know it is that thing of individually everyone you, every it's that whole mentality of like as an individual you can't help yeah but as a collective, we could. Yeah. So as as a as a collective, you, there was a there's a real outpouring of sort of help for all these people. But when you've said I'll do stuff to help, beyond you know packing your bags and going there with a gun, what else can you do? I mean, you can pay you can you can pay into sort of um, charities and stuff like that. But you still have to get on with your life, right? Yeah. And it still keeps going on, and it's yeah it's weird because you kind of there's two things your your level your brain's working on two levels yeah and that's sort of as father gill says he's like isn't couldn't it be every day like mm. it could end every day we you know she said all oh, the world's about to end and he says that could be every day and i guess that's true so in some ways women gossiping at a hair salon yeah. is 
probably would be quite a normal thing. I and mean, we have all these apocalypse movies where everyone sort of goes crazy and mm. starts looting and everything. But the reality yeah. is, I think it would be much slower <laughs> than that. Just people yeah, getting on with their lives. Yeah, just like, you know, we'd rather just pretend it's not happening. But at the same time, they're not because they're still talking about it. They still have to relieve that tension in some sort of way. Yeah. And even though, like I said, <laughs> that woman's telling Francine to shut up, she will not shut up and she will get on with it and be strong. And um, I think that's kind of why when she talks to Pe- to Betty, Betty's really kind of... I think I think it helps her in, in some way um, figure out how she's going to deal with stuff in the future. Um, well, that's... It's Betty's emergency. I mean, they're both... They're two emergencies that are completely different, aren't they? I mean, even, and even like francine is just sort of like okay well this is this is the thing that she whereas she was complaining about not complaining that's the wrong word but like riffing about the nuclear or the not promise but you know the potential of nuclear war Mm. it's like with betty's problem it's something she can help with oh there's a doctor in puerto rico but you don't want to go there while that's going on so there's one in um she can actually do something yeah she can actually give advice she can actually like where she has no power with the nuclear war she has power with betty's situation in that she can offer assistance and that makes her feel better about herself oh i'll come Mm. and check on you oh i'm a good person yeah i can control this that's cool yeah and i think that's quite interesting again because it just sort of is one of those things where again that's one of the things that you do i'll donate money to ukraine because then i can feel better about yeah, it yeah, yeah, totally. if i do this if i go on a protest i'll feel better about that that's good yeah that's and interesting i think that's kind of, i don't know maybe but i just kind of feel like that's it's a distraction from the nuclear war but it's effective because she can actually do something, do something yeah speaking of being effective and being able to do things moving on to the next scene you see the guys in the room panicking like crazy but the t- is this the tv scene and the tv's oh. broken and they're trying to fix it but they can't fix it so they have no power they have no real sort of like um and they have to know they, they have, have to, to know. know um i think we should take a break okay. and we should come back and we can talk about the next few scenes which i think are they have some sort of connection to each other so the next scene, um, so this scene with um, the guys going crazy and it's really good because for me, it's like, it's the other, it's the flip side of every, all these characters you say, like just staring off into the distance and making very cool, calm decisions. I think um, it really reflects the scene in the hairdressers because the guys are, you know, anxious because they don't have an answer. They don't have someone to help them. They're looking for something and no one's there. Unlike Betty, who can have, rely on her friend, who will be sort of strong. She will, she, she'll, she'll be anxious and stuff, but she has an answer. Oh my god, I've just realised something. What? Well, it's not really a realisation. It's like this whole episode, women are like the rocks, aren't they? They're the rocks because they're the ones that have the answers. Betty sort of has or or have the power maybe betty has the power and not in the way that she rules the land but she has the power peggy has the power because she has the truth lois has the power because she has the knowledge yeah no and it's like all these men are going to these women and looking that makes a lot of for answers aren't they or like or like um again not answers but sort of they, they've got validation well I, I think i think so this is my personal theory about men and women <laughs> and all right so, here like, we go so <laughs> i'm sure I'm sure someone will have some problem with this but like i like it's a, it's a loose thing right 
and it kind of you know you, you can you can use it with transgender people as well it works there but like in general there's this idea that i've always had that um women are really good at sort of knowing their own self like their yeah. own like knowing what they want and i think men kind of take what they want from other men that's why men are kind of a lot more uniform whereas women are kind of very especially in this show really individualistic and there's this thing you know i've said i've used this quote before that lacan uses which is there's no such thing as a woman <laughs> which... right <laughs> But I think the point, and I think he's being provocative when he says it. I don't think he means it in like a they, like women don't exist. What I think he means is like if you think about a man, you can sort of like attribute a meaning to a man. You can sort of say, you know, they've kind of masculinity is like it's aggressive and it's like you know it's 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 got facial hair and big balls works and big balls and it works in a in an office or a, or on a on a work a building site and you know there's just kind of things that we attribute to men having and i think the idea with there's no and that's kind of what a man is that's the, the that, that's what men are men kind of have this kind of um image of themselves or projection of themselves but i think the idea as a whole like as a whole men have this image of themselves i think with women women are a lot more individualistic and they kind of you know, in in the but show, but not. But wait, wait, wait. Let me finish. I think mean, I. You're probably right, but let me let me just say. Okay, I'm sorry. Because in the show, maybe not in real life, but in this show, or the idea of women, let's say, in this show, all the women, all the men, sort of wear suits and they're kind of ties and they look very uniform, and all the women are always dressed in these like amazing dresses and the different styles, different haircuts, completely sort of standing out in their own unique way. But you don't agree. No, no, well, I'm just thinking, you're saying men want this certain thing, right? And that's how they, they so they're kind of, in this episode, perhaps it's the validation. Mm-hmm. It's the what's going on. I need this so I can feel like a man again. Because mm-hmm. I need my job. I need my wife. Mm-hmm. I need, you know, this woman to be in love with me, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Now, what the women, all the women want something from me- the men. Like they don't do, they don't tell the truth for their own, they tell the truth for their own benefit. Like Lois wants the, to get out of the call center place. Yeah. You know, Peggy wants um, to tell the truth to be, I mean, I this one's a bit wavery, but you know, she wants to be forgiven by God or something. I don't know. Like there's some like telling the, the truth. weight off her shoulders. Yeah, yeah. She wants to leave herself of guilt. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Um, You know, and Betty wants a person who's going to support her if she's going to be stuck with having another kid. Yeah. She wants that support. Mm-hmm. She wants that income or whatever it is mm-hmm. like they all want something yeah they try and exist without it but, but in the end of the day when these men come to them and they're like we need help they're like we'll help you yeah. but you in have, return yeah, you, you need help back so they want something in return and that's the thing so i guess women in this scenario want 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 support from men they want but that's what that's what i guess that's what i'm saying is that's a real honest need it's kind of like a feeling to support them it's almost like whereas i don't think the men have that kind of um the women need to i don't know it's <laughs> hard to word it no i know uh, what you, i know what you mean it's hard to say because i don't want to and i also don't want to like reduce anybody to kind of just like you know men do this and women do that but like 
it's like the women kind of yeah they 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 want something but they want something from the men and i guess it goes back to the idea of the signifier and the signifier yeah yeah no totally um and how we sort of like use each other so just to kind of so i kind of um I make sense of what the signifier and the signifier are um to recap on that so the signif if you think about two s's like you've got a big s on i think it's a big s on the top and a little s on the bottom and a line in between the two of them right and the signifier is at the top and it is basically the image it's the thing that you see it's like if you see a tree it's the picture of the tree if you see the word tree it's the word tree the signified at the bottom is the is what a tree signifies so a tree is you know a, a plant that grows and has a bark and and kind of that's it's the image versus what the actual thing is mm. right and i think this might get me in trouble i think in the show and i don't think it's a one-to-one -one, but i think the show is saying that women or actually no let's let's let's, let's not say women let's say don don is don thinks he's a signified he thinks he's this kind of like this thing that exists as you know he's a man that kind of has all these ideas and blah 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 but really he's actually just the image of a man most of the other men are kind of they kind of do things they kind of exist in some sort of way but i don't know what do you think <laughs> I, I i this is what i didn't want to get into because i think i find it really confusing and i don't know if i fully well i guess it. i guess so how we like? I mean, it, I don't know if this fits exactly with your theory, but like, women want to appear as pretty and graceful and yeah. like good wives and yeah. good women and yeah. you know all these sorts of things. Everything that a woman in the nineteen sixties was proposed 60s, yeah. to see, to, yeah. you know, was this supposed is, to be. And right? this is this is how society is kind of conditioned to be. I'm not saying this is how people are. Yeah, inherently. yeah. This is how society is conditioned people to be. Yeah. So it's like that's how they want to appear. That's, yeah. But in actuality, they have a greater and more deeper yeah role yes which is you know they have they have more power than they think they have yes i think is i think it's what's getting at here mm -hmm. and whether or not that power is the truth as it is in peggy's case or if it's like um you know knowledge or a bargain chip or whatever it is mm. but you know i think in fact i think for this episode a lot of it is just the men want a form of support a form of love a form of a form of validation yeah and the women can provide that, but whether they, whether or not they choose to, is sort of a different matter. So they, while they appear to be, you know, even, and and I think that's in that in this exact scene that's kind of shown by how um, patronising Harry is when he's like, <laughs> was it they were talking about buying it? Or was it? And he even does that hand thing where it's like, <laughs> it's were they? I can't remember the word. Is he it used. a merger? Is it? He doesn't say it's a merger though. He says, are they combining? Are they combining? And he just combining, goes, <laughs> and he like moves his hands together. <laughs> she says and she just like looks at him like he's an absolute twat, and yeah. just goes, "It's a, it's a merger." <laughs> like because maybe she appears stupid because yeah. men, you know, think that women are just pretty things yeah. that are meant to look she, nice. She, Literally in this episode, she has hidden depths. Or in this yeah, scene, yeah. she has hidden depths. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And so it's that whole thing of, I guess, the visual being one thing, but actually the deeper... I think there's a massive Easter egg in this scene as well, where we're talking about words and meaning and how they have how, how they can be coded and how... Are you all right? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm listening. I'm listening. My eye is just itching. <laughs> how they can be coded and, you know, in, in the poetry and how words are coded and stuff. 
Um, and at the beginning of the scene, they talk about when, when they go and see Lois, they talk about um, um, certain calls have been made using the word, the words, the code words, Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. And then later on in the scene, um, Lois kind of looks at everyone and says in a really dramatic way, redundancies. And if you use, if you look at the way Los Angeles is used in the in all the episodes, anytime it comes up, there's always some sense of redundancy in that scene. So like a character is kind of worried about being redundant or worried about being left behind or worried about losing their relationship and stuff like that. And also that idea of redundancies comes up in all the scenes after this. <laughs> why, why have you got a smile on your face? Sorry, but that's the worst Easter egg ever. <laughs> why is that? <laughs> why? <laughs> <laughs> like easter eggs are supposed to be like oh a spoiler or like secret they all like matthew weiner just walked by in the background in the background or something not freaking los angeles means redundancies that's just that's just madmen as it is it's not easter egg <laughs> it's so meta though i love it it's kind of because yes, i was it... trying to figure out why they would talk about code words um, because they were literally at the beginning of the episode going, oh, but, you know, they're going to open a Los Angeles office. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, totally. But, like, in the meta of the show, it kind of also works as well. And I can't well, <laughs> I appreciate you, Fola. I appreciate the meta, but I don't understand it. I'm very sorry. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. I hope everyone else enjoyed that. That's right. And, my... and I can only apologise for not sharing in your joy. Of that nugget that you paused just so you could find in your notes. That's, that's, that's my theory. I well, next time, to... I tell you what, we'll yeah. remember this. I won't remember it, but next time Los Angeles comes up, yeah. remind me of this conversation, I okay? Will do. I will do. And we'll see if there's any redundancies. You won't remember it. But it's, it's I know right. I won't. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so it, it, these couple of scenes uh, that we're having uh, also kind of have this whole thing about um, anxiety and shifting meaning as well. Mm. So like, that's why it's kind of significant that that comes up because in the first scene where they're all sort of kicking the TV and trying to get the TV to work, um, it's like they've lost the image. They've lost this kind of thing that tells them what to think. So like now they've only got the words or the kind of the, it's like, that idea of signifiers are signified, right? So by losing the TV, they lose the image, they lose the signifier. So now all they've got is a signified and that can change. So in that scene, what happens is it starts off with them worried about the war and quickly shifts to them worried about losing their jobs. Yeah. And it's like, without even, like on a, on a, on a sixpence, it just changes. Then they go and see um, Lois and Lois kind of brings up this idea of redundancies. And as soon as she says redundancies, um, everybody calms down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and everyone sort of like, and they just kind of slink off and they kind of, you know, do whatever. But for that woman, this like this whole kind of anxious, kind of worried state that everyone's in and then they just calm down. Yeah, that's um, true. I, I like the, um, like what you were saying about how... Um, um, uh, Lois uses the time to kind of be good and sort of get something from them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I kind of I had something to say about that, but I can't remember what it was. But is there anything else you want to say about that scene before we move on? No. 
because I think all of this stuff has been leading up to this, the next bunch of scenes um, where Don, where, with Betty really, but it all starts off with Don sort of doing the same thing that Lois is doing, being good and sort of like looking after the kids and because he wants something in return. Um, but really this ne- these next couple of scenes are really about Betty and the meaning, mm. what it means to be Betty mm. and all that kind of stuff. Um, have you got anything to say about when Betty goes into the hotel room? I mean, for me, it was that. Uh, it was a very interesting shift because, I mean, I don't know if we've ever seen Don, we probably have, but seeing him behave that sort of intimately with his children. Yeah. And that they're lying on the bed together. You uh, know, I know that's not that quite this scene, is it? But it's that whole thing of like him, the kids running, daddy, daddy. Yeah, it's, very, yeah. it's almost like the husband's... Um, you know, he's the wife at home or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And well, she and she's dropping off the kids sort of thing. It is very interesting that the scene, that whole thing begins with them calling him daddy. And it's like, again, the meaning of what it means to be daddy and sort of that kind of gets subverted during the course of the scene. Um, but like, and there's lots of stuff we can say about that, but let's not hang on it too much because the interesting stuff really is, there's loads of stuff with this scene about signifiers and signifieds and and triangles triangles my favorite <laughs> love it when you bring up triangles um the main triangle let's let's talk about the main triangle so when you see betty leave the hotel room she goes and she stares in a window yeah yeah i remember that yeah have you got any thoughts on that so, so here's my perception on it. Sure. Could be completely wrong. No, no. But I just sort of thought. So she's she's got rid of the kids, right? Yep. So she goes down, and I think it's she's in New York, mm-hmm. and she's walking down the street, and she's looking in a window, and it's like her former life mm-hmm. is staring back at her. I mm-hmm. think, and for me, I sort of because it is quite a. It's almost like she doesn't look happy, does she? Because she's she's at first her reflection's kind of not in the shot, and then I don't know. I only started started noting it, noticing it slowly. Yeah. Like it almost isn't there at the beginning. Yeah. And it's like she's looking at something and then it's kind of like she sees herself reflected in the window mm-hmm. and she'd rather be that instead of being a mother and being all these roles, she'd mm-hmm. rather just be a woman, a mannequin wearing a pretty dress. <laughs> yeah. You know, just living in New York. That's kind of what I got. So I, I got a similar thing. I What I was thinking of, again, it goes back to, for me, well, first of all, there's a blonde mannequin and there's a darker yeah. mannequin and i don't expect you to remember this but like right in the first episode we bump in in this season we bumped into um betty's friend um juanita okay who was a call girl yeah I don't remember, remember when they were in the hotel and there was that big sort of guy and they bumped into her old friend and she's like oh i and and then don says oh she's a call girl betty and Betty goes, how do you know that? You don't remember this? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, uh, Betty's friend, Juanita, kind of reminds Betty, like, gives Betty thoughts of like, oh, I wonder what that's like. I wonder what it's like to be sort of like, I could do that. I could make money. And then and then she talks to the, remember the guy, the, the, the pickup guy? Yeah, yeah. I do remember that weirdly. Right, okay. And then I think she got the idea from her friend. Well, maybe it's because the other thing is the color in that scene. Again, the two mannequins are dressed very colorfully and she's wearing beige. Mm. And she's so beige now, you know, and it's like looking at 
a person who was once colourful and bright and right. happy. And I, I didn't think, I didn't see it like that. I saw it more like, um, so, you know, we're talking about the signified and the signifier. I think the blonde mannequin is the signifier. That's Betty's outer appearance. Mm. And the brunette mannequin is the signified. That's Betty inside. And the reflection of Betty in the picture is the sign, which is a combination of the two. And it makes up, those two things make up who Betty actually is. Whoa. 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 <laughs> so, um, and I think then... She Send goes, us your thoughts, guys. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think? Um, there's also, you could make the argument that the brunette, um, the brunette um, mannequin looks like Bobby. Yeah, I did. When you started to go down that road, I thought that's what you were going to say, to be honest. But I don't know. I don't know. Frozen in time, Betty and what was the other one called? Uh, Bobby. Bob, Betty and Bobby. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. What do you think? Tell us. Tell us what you think. Yeah, call in. Um, (laughs) And um, so then we move on to the next thing. So what happens? I can't remember what happens after that. Um, So she goes to the bar. She goes into the bar. Yeah. Oh, okay. Quite like this scene. So, what do you think of this scene? I mean, we can talk about the whole thing where she goes in and shags him. As we well. are going to talk about everything, yeah. We're going to talk about the whole damn thing. Okay. I'm going to try not to be I annoying. I liked with it. This one. I think Betty's found her power. She's figured it out. She's read the game. Mm-hmm. She's figured it out mm-hmm. that the best way to attract men is to act aloof. Right. I think she's going in. She's like, right, I've got to sort myself out, get rid of this baby. I've got to smoke like a lot of cigarettes and drink some alcohol. <laughs> Although I don't know if actually in those times they knew that that would. Maybe, could yeah, harm the baby. I, don't... I, don't, I, don't, I wasn't sure if it was an intentional, I'm going to do lots of harm to my body in order to try and get rid of the baby. But then she does smoke when she's... Pre- I mean, I guess a lot of people smoked when they were pregnant and yeah. stuff back then, didn't they? Yeah. So I don't know if she's just like, just trying to be trying old to Betty. Her, or like, just, just distract herself <laughs> by going into a bar. Yeah. You know, some guy buys her a drink, the Gimlet. What's a Gimlet? I can't remember now, but I had it written down. Um, it's... It's a cocktail. Um, and <laughs> she also has the same cocktail um, really early on in one of the... And like, I think in the first episode, um, after she sees her first psychiatrist. Um, but yeah, I can't... So who she used to be, like, you know, I guess. when she was wild. I guess. Before well, she was preggers. She wasn't really wild. That was She was still married to Don at the time. Um, what do you think of the guy that comes up to her? Am I supposed to know who he is? No. Okay. I thought it was a trick question. Do you have an idea? What, what, what are your impressions of him or kind of... Just... I mean, to be fair, I cheated because I kind of listened to the the commentary on the DVD. You did what? <laughs> um, oh my God, this whole podcast is just a rip off. No, it, no, it really is not. I wish it was. <laughs> it's way easier to do. Um, No, I mean, I just thought he was like a sleazy suit guy. Did you not think he looked a bit like Don? No. 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 Okay, so according to Matthew Weiner, oh my god, showrunner, they picked this guy specifically because he looks like Don. Really? Yeah. I did not see. Well, he got the black hair and you know the suit and. I mean, yeah, lots of men have black hair and suits. Arrogance and all that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, I mean the cocky arrogance thing. 
Uh, I mean, he wasn't sleazy. I said sleazy earlier. He wasn't sleazy. He was just a bit like... He was like a smooth talker. He, well, I guess, yeah, like Don in that he way. He got more than he bargained for. <laughs> he probably just tried, he's probably just trying to have a chat with a woman, next thing you know. I don't anyway, think he was just trying to have a chat with a well, woman. Well, yeah, but I, I don't think he was going to... I don't think he was looking to shag her in the toilets. Anyway, but anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> My point is there's two guys that uh, Betty gets talking to. Again, I'm going to harp on this whole signifier, signified thing. Betty gets talking to two guys in the bar. Just to, just as a, as a point, you know I was talking about the signified and the yeah. signifier and there's a line in between the two. That line is called the bar. Anyway, so ah. she gets talking to this, she's just talking to this, um, this really nice guy, this re- really nice um, barman who's kind of really trying to help her out and sort of like be sort of, you know, attentive to her and look after her needs and everything. Then you've got this arrogant guy that comes along. This is the image of Don. He's almost like the signifier. I get them confused signifier and like the barman's the signified and there's also a thing with the drinks as well where she gets a tap water yeah so then this is another thing you know you were talking about you know we're talking about how people see other things and they want those things Mm. and it's almost like another person can kind of inspire some sort of want or desire inside you just by talking to you or having the same thing Sorry for boring. Um, the so if you so she goes in, she wants a water. She doesn't want anything else until the guy says, "Do you want to order another drink?" And then she doesn't. She thinks about it. She's like, "Oh no!" And she just goes for the thing that she's had before, a gimlet. She wouldn't have had the gimlet if it wasn't for the barman. Um, so it's like that's kind of this thing called uh, mimetic desire, where you kind of. You want the thing that the other person wants. It's like an actual thing. Okay. So I think that seems about that. Um, and yeah, and there's other things as well. But I'm going to stop there because I'll get, I'll confuse it myself. Um, but then there's this whole scene where um, Don's eating with the kids. And uh, yeah, what do you think about Bobby that? doesn't like the burger. Is his name Bobby? What's the kid's name? Bobby, yeah. Is Bobby the, the, his mistress and his son? Are, yeah. Is it? Weird. I only just noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> like twelve episodes late. Um, it's probably it's almost like they did it on purpose. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but yeah, he, the the kid doesn't like the hamburger. I'm not sure what that was about. I was a bit well, like. So you know, I was talking about the mimetic desire thing. Oh yeah. So Don is basically saying like. Um, Don's basically trying to get him to want the same thing as him. Is it like, it's like what parents do though, isn't it? Where they're like, mm, peas, yummy. And then it's supposed to make the kid want to eat the peas, but well, it yeah. never works. Well, yeah. And like, and I, I feel there's something about Don trying to get um, Bobby to be like him and it not happening. And Don, like, you know, on a very, very thematic sort of subtextual level, being really upset by that. And in order to distract him from that, that sadness, his other daughter, do- his daughter He's telling him jokes and sort of making him laugh. Okay. And, and I think all of that stuff is what's going on with Betty in the other scene where, you know, there's all this sadness with her husband and like not knowing what to do with her, her marriage and all this kind of, and the baby and all this kind of stuff. And she's using this other Don to kind of distract her from what's going on. Um, yeah okay i mean i guess so i just kind of i I kind of got it into my head that she was just like one last night of freedom yeah there is some of, there is some of that as well um but i don't think at this point she necessarily wants to go back with him what like, she didn't want to shag him no she doesn't want to go back with don 
I don't think it's a one night. Well, I don't think she wants to go back with Don even when she gets back with Don. I have a feeling. <laughs> I don't, just call it an inkling yeah. that it's not going to end well in season three. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I don't feel like all is forgiven at the end just because of the but the baby is a band aid. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's a good point actually. But I guess that's so. I thought about what Don is thinking through the whole episode, but I think it's harder to get a read on what Betty's thinking. I think I know what Betty's thinking is that. She, you know, I mean, that whole life. So she goes into that room. It's not a bathroom, though, because it's got a sofa in it. Yeah. So it's like a private room. Yeah. And they have a shag on the sofa. Yeah. And then she leaves. A shag that reminds me very much of the the rape scene in the last episode. (laughs) Don't do that. I'm... (laughs) <laughs> don't don't just stare at me. <laughs> and I, when I say, you got raped. Let me just. <laughs> don't you remember Joan? Oh yeah. Oh, that was horrible. <laughs> yeah, it was horrible. Right, and but and like I'm not saying they're exactly the same scene. Obviously, Betty kind of wants this to happen, and she's kind of very much in control. Um, but it's all shot the same way. It's all shot of her legs and the way it kind of focuses on her face and yes they're both they're sexy but they're very kind of I think the point is made that Betty in this case is in control and making this happen and it's again it's this idea of meaning and sort of how essentially the same thing's happening it's just that in one case it's very bad and in the other case it's exactly what the person wants but then you have to remember before she goes in she's like I'm married yeah and that's another thing as well so that's kind of like Don says exactly the same thing to Rachel like ages ago in the, that other scene when they kiss only this time so the fu- when when um when don says it he gets a slap in the face and told to fuck off and when betty says it she gets laid so it's like so it's like so it's double standards again, it's, it's a meaning it's a double meaning thing i think there's a very but, it, but then i guess you could say i'm clutching at straws a little bit but the truth has different meanings to different people. I mean, the truth that the fact is, the truth, the fact, whatever you want to call it, mm. is that she's married now to a woman. That's mm. dishonest. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's this, it's that. That's the uh, meaning of it mm. to a man. That's a challenge. I guess. Yeah. Well, that's a. But it, it's the same. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing. And with the that. fact that she tells him because there's no need for her to tell him. Like he's gonna shag her either way. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's no need. It's almost like, and I think it's symbol symbolic for Betty because it just shows it doesn't matter. Well, it almost like invalidates the concept of marriage because really. Mm-hmm. It, what does it matter? She tells the truth. I am married, and it makes no difference. The guy still wants to shag her. Wow, I never thought about it like that. But is is that, and that's what I mean? Is it's that whole thing of like, there's it's it's it, it becomes it, sometimes the truth is just irrelevant or like, yeah, it doesn't make any difference to the bearing on things. Like you would think if someone said I'm married, they'd go, whoa, okay, well I'm not sleeping with you. That's good, yeah. I mean, I thought that my my thought about the whole thing was just the idea of how both Betty's. And this is, you know, what I was talking about before about how um, how um, you've got the two accountants. Mm. So you've got like um, Doc and you've got um, oh yeah yeah and, the... and Pete yeah and they both they clash because yeah, they're the yeah. same. Um, to me, it's like how Don and Betty are both passive, and they both try to date some. They both try to sleep with someone in the same way, 
by being passive and just kind of letting things happen. It doesn't work for Don, but it does work for Betty. But it doesn't. Ultimately, they both do it for the same reasons, which is they're looking for something that's not their marriage. Yeah. They're looking for something more, yeah. looking for something greater. And then reality is, is it's not it's not greater it's not it's not and i think that's why she goes back to him because she's thinking for me that whole sequence is that she's she's free she's finally free in some way she's got no kid the kids are with the dad like she's had all this all this time that she's been angry at don for being able to just go out and do the stuff right and she's been furious about it because that's what she thinks she wants right and then she finally goes and she does it and then she realizes that it's actually Mm. there's not it's not what she expected it to be okay. it's not he's you know was he going out and having a great time all these questions that women ask themselves yeah you know did he did it was she better in bed with me all these sort of different sort of things she goes out she sees the reality of shagging just some random dude <laughs> in a bar yeah and it's like actually i don't know if i want that either mm. fair enough yep i can I, I like it it's good um let's what's uh let's move, let's move on to the next part there's loads of stuff in this scene like these these bunch of scenes but basically i think the whole thing boils down to a lot of stuff about a lot of very metaphorical um and kind of thematic stuff that is all basically tied up in this scene with peggy at the end yeah so peggy goes to see father gill and we see Father Gill overstepping his boundaries. Um, there's this kind of... And he gets quite heated up about sort of, you know... Um, you were the one I was here to save. Yeah, and sort of like really sort of almost anxious about it and sort of like, you know, sort of a bit too heavy-handed about it. And I think that's kind of... Well, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> well, I think it comes back to that whole... Like I say, it's the mass scene. It's the whole like... Although the guys as well, like when everyone's at risk, everyone, it's almost like a, it's okay because everyone can panic together or everyone can be relieved together. Right. But the minute he singles her out as an individual, yeah. it's a lot of pressure on her. On her yeah. And maybe that's why Pete earlier on in the episode is just so discard discards almost the power that, you know, Duck tries to bestow on him. Mm. Is that whole thing of like, he doesn't want to be singled out from the herd as being like, you know, if you're you're on my team, you're going to get a promotion. You're going to get this. Actually, mm. people would just rather be part of the crowd. And also, it kind of goes back to because we didn't really talk about this because I missed it out. But the at the end of the scene when Betty's had sex with this guy, both the guy the the guy that she shagged asks her a name and she doesn't tell him, like you know, mm. leaves him with that anxiety. And the um. The waiter asks her what they were doing in there and she doesn't tell him and she just walks away because she doesn't need anything from those guys. And I think Peggy's doing the same thing where she kind of walks away from... um, Because in the same way, Father Gill is kind of like trying to be this look after her and sort of protect her thing, but she doesn't need that because Mm. she's whole. Yeah. And she kind of gets out of there. Um, She doesn't... I think with Peggy, it's that she doesn't need to be saved. And constantly in this episode, it seems like there are men who are trying Trying to to save save her, her. even though she doesn't need it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what happened to Betty. Probably the only thing... The only woman that doesn't happen to is Lewis, or Lois, who kind of has to ask for people to save her. Yeah. Um and then we see Betty eating the chicken in the in the. That was weird. What was that? Because for a minute, like I was trying to figure out what was going on. I thought she was eating raw chicken to try and like give herself 
make herself <laughs> ill so she lost i don't know my mind went to some dark places in this episode it really did i think so for me i don't know this is a weird scene you're right um but i think there's something about chicken that and you remember it's comfort food yeah and also the obviously the the um the symbolism of chicken and we've seen you know when um when pete throws the chicken out the window oh yeah and and, and i think there's something about femininity in there and but the the, this scene there's a couple of things about the scene the first thing is it reminds me of a scene when don tries to distract himself and gets knocked back and goes and drink goes home and drinks milk from the same fridge but that's during the daytime it's interesting about this scene is it's all dark everything's dark like apart from this slither of light that comes out of the, the 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 fridge it's almost like you know, in a, in a world of darkness or kind of like when you're lost, you just head towards the light and just kind of, I think that's kind of what she did when she was with these guys or or maybe even the light actually is dawn and she just kind of has to take that in. I don't know. And even then the point of eating the chicken is kind of like this whole thing of like, it's filling her up in a way. Well, that's what I mean. It's, for me, it was very much comfort food. It's like she is supposed to have gone out, shag the sky, felt amazing. And actually, that's what I'm saying about the whole, like, it wasn't what she expected, she thought it was going to be. Yeah. Is that she comes home and she needs comfort, so she eats she eats chicken. Right. Standing up in the kitchen, which is the best way to eat chicken. <laughs> but, you know, it's, like I say, for me, it, and it is, it's that whole, like, as someone who is a comfort eater, <laughs> um, you know, that is what you do, is it is you, you know, you to make yourself feel better, yeah. you yeah, eat. Yeah, yeah. And Betty's not a big eater, we know that. Yeah. So it's almost like to make herself feel better because she isn't showing her emotion in other ways. Like she isn't crying. Yeah, she isn't like that's true. being distressed or anything like that. I mean, yeah. at one point they mentioned that she's chewing her nails or something earlier on in the episode. Something like that, wasn't oh, it? Really? I can't remember. I feel like she does in the salon, Francine points out. But, um, you know, she's clearly you're anxious. One. That's what she says. <laughs> she Francine, says what? Francine says, you're one. Never, you're one? Yeah, I don't know what that means. Anyway... While you were talking, it just reminded me of something about... You say your thumb, maybe? No, she says your one. W-A-N. Your one? Yeah, I don't know what it means. Uh, can, can you let us know, <laughs> anyone, uh, if who knows the answer to that? So there's a bit... There's a, so you talking about that and the talk, this whole thing about filling up uh, reminded me of something. So in this, we talked about in this scene, we talked about this episode, how you've got like um, the signifier signified two sides of a coin or whatever, two things that need to get together to make a whole. Within those two things, uh, the, those things can swap over. You lose, you, they can swap over and be different things because there's, in between them, there's a gap, right? And and what we see here is um, um, Betty filling that gap with this chicken, right? Right. <laughs> and it's just the idea of what meditations and an emergency really means because if you think about an emergency a crazy wild thing going on the meditation for me in the middle is the gap it's the quiet within the storm ah yeah i like that and that's kind of what i think the whole episode is yeah no i like that that's really good it's fucking hard to describe um but yeah um anyway <laughs> the only reason i bring that up is because it's going to be really important okay when we get to betty's uh, peggy's speech 
what happens next? Trudy packs up to... Oh, that's it, yeah. Um, so after that, we see Trudy... Okay, so yeah, so the next thing we see is Trudy packing up to leave the flat and Pete's very much sort of like, I'm staying here. Mm. I think for me, this part of the episode is where we leave the idea of what it is to be Betty and then we move over to what it's like to be... Like, what it's like to be Betty, like a woman in this situation. Then we move on to what it's like to be a man in this situation. So this whole, these next few scenes are all about Pete and this arrogance and how an arrogant person deals with the same situation that a woman would deal with. Like, so as we established, women kind of feel things more and Mm. kind of understand their own feelings more. Whereas with Pete in this first episode, in this first scene, he's very arrogant, very ego driven and like toxic masculinity to its finest where he's just like I'm gonna I'm cool I don't have to worry about it I'm just gonna stay in this flat nothing's gonna happen to me I know everything do you did you get that no, well no not really um I thought this scene was actually I mean don't get me wrong he wasn't very nice but like I don't know for me it was like Pete was telling her the truth like to the point where she says you'd come if you love me and oh, he yeah. doesn't say anything he doesn't say anything and it's almost yet. like he's looking at his wife putting the silverware away thinking they're going to get looted and he's like he's almost like this whole situation is ridiculous it's gone too far now right okay and i i don't know i just sort of feel a bit like to be honest i've never liked trudy she's just so annoying i mean i love trudy really wow she's so just like i'm gonna go stay with my parents she doesn't sound like that it's more as than brie to be fair but yeah (laughs) i don't know i just sort of like with with Pete, because like, I really hated Pete at the start, but I kind of like him a bit more now, even right. though he's, he's still a douchebag, but he's just a bit more Honest. sort of, yeah, I think that's it. And I think with this scene, I think it's, it's it's almost like, I guess what you were saying, I quite like the idea of like the med- the meditations are all in the middle. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I kind of feel like, I know Pete has a meditation later on, but I think this could be kind of his meditation as well, because it's almost like the storm is going on around him, but it's not touching him anymore. Okay, okay. And it's sort of like he is sort of in the eye of it. Would you say that he's meditating because he's distracted by what he really cares about, which is Peggy? Because <laughs> that's what I think. I uh, I, I agree. I, I got to admit, I was quite surprised by the... I'm in love with you, Peggy. <laughs> I've got to be honest, that did think, kind of... I think they've been trying to build it, like, yeah, through the whole... it was thing. lost on me. If you, if you don't, yeah. I, I, it, I don't think it comes out of nowhere, but I think... Because I think a lot of the conversations they have throughout the show is basically... It feels like Pete's trying to be her friend. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, all of this I love you thing kind of... But then again, I guess it also feeds into the theme of things changing, meanings. yeah. Um. Anyway, so Pete arrives at the. Oh, I love this scene. Pete arrives at the the office, and they're all talking about you know the. Yeah, yeah. They're all talking about signs. They're all yeah, talking yeah. about signs that the the whole place could be um. Uh, sold. Yeah, yeah. But so they never say specifically what it's never anything. Shampoo the carpet. It's never the any, It's never <laughs> anything kind of like concrete. It's yeah, all yeah. these like things that just kind of might mean that, but that doesn't necessarily point to that. And um, and yeah, so that that goes by very quickly. We don't need to spend too much time on that. Um, but then Pete takes something that Harry says about you know the 
company getting sold and takes that and and applies that to him and don the, the whole situation with them and takes that into him which is kind of yeah which again is this idea of how meanings and interpretations can change and more on the meaning stuff uh, do you have anything to say about that no do you have anything to say about the time when pete goes to tell don about no, just that, that like i think it just demonstrates how manipulative don can be in that sense that well because hang on they all, no no uh, that was the earlier scene when he went in and was like pissed yeah. off wasn't it <laughs> yeah this is a different scene so yeah no i have nothing to say so sorry <laughs> because i think in this scene like i think again about the interpretation don basically doesn't say anything and pete does all the talking and don's just sitting there trying to work out what's your game here what's your angle mm. um i think that's cool but yeah let's move on um have you got anything to say about the the letter that betty reads oh my god so i do have something to say about this which is what the hell is why is there a voiceover dear betty <laughs> i was like i was like what the hell have we just moved into like a, a 1990s rom-com dear betty i'll always love you i was just like why is this this is so cringe i don't know it felt really and it was like his voice yeah yeah don't you think? But don't you think again? It's that whole thing of interpretation and meaning. Because if you read it in his, so I did a thing on this letter where I tried to decode it. Okay. So you know, I, oh my God. I talk about how That's everything intense. in this episode is decoded. Like, but if you read, if you, the way I decode it, and this could just be complete sort of like confirmation bias, and it's you know, it's all like me just trying to prove my own theories and stuff. But you could definitely read this whole letter. There's two things, really. One is the whole letter is a very selfish thing from Don trying to sort of basically say, um, not that I love you, but I want to be back so I can, because it's all about me. So, like, you could sort of, like, flip it and it's all about Don. But then there's also this other thing. So, again, that that whole thing about the the... I don't know if I'm going to be exp- explain this well, but that whole thing about the um, meditations in the the chaos, everything he says is basically reflective of a lack in his or other people's lives. So he talks about seeing the kids, mm. but only seeing the back of the mm. kids. He talks about other things as well that I can't really go into now, but everything's kind of a lack. Everything's There's something missing in each line. So it's like this idea of a lack. Um, I think, and I think, the fact that it's it's read in Don's voice, kind of, you put meaning on it. You put yeah. kind of like a kind of, it's coming from him, and you think it feels a bit more authentic, even though it's not. Yeah. But you're seeing it from, Bet from Betty's point of view. Um, so I think it's a really cool thing, and I also the fact that um, I just think the fact that. Um, uh, Carla's in this scene for like literally one second I think that has meaning but I'm not going to go into why anyway moving on because I can see you literally trying to try stay away yeah yeah let's get into that time now <laughs> um this um so the when the the scene with Don uh finding out well what the meeting do you mean the meeting? the meeting yeah the meeting um trying to finalize the sale what do you think about this scene? This scene's awesome, right? It was, yeah, it was, it was, uh, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't say awesome. Oh, right. I wouldn't, 
I'm really just I don't know that sort of stuff interests me less like I'm definitely <laughs> more interested in the personal relationships than yeah and to me it was this is one of the scenes that in Mad Men I just don't connect with right, okay at all right so um I mean I get I understood what was happening yeah. <laughs> which is which is good right um and I mean the English people were very stereotypical yeah um, and I saw that, I mean, it was, it was so, I think the point of this scene mm. in a way is again, it's that true thing where it's like, we're going to appoint duck and yeah. duck's like, well, this is such a surprise, <laughs> you know? And it's kind of like, and Don knows, yeah. he knows it's all constructed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He knows it's not, it's not a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Well, true. And it's kind of like, it's, well, okay. Can I just, before you go on? Yeah. When when um, Doc says, "Oh my God, this is so unexpected and stuff," to me, I would say when he says that, it's kind of meaningless. I mean, he talks about how everything has meaning and all the, what meaning is and all this kind of stuff. And at that point, when he says that, it's all for show. It's all kind of. But that's what I mean. It's meaningless. Yeah. Because it's not true. It's a, it's a symbolic acceptance. It's of the a job. symbolic it's not a real acceptance. acceptance. But and the, but the thing is, if you think about that scene, if you didn't know, yeah, then that would have been surprising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. But because we knew, yeah, it wasn't, and we were just like, oh, it's so fake. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of, you know, that's that whole thing. It's the whole construct of of sort of the whole scenario, everything that's going on. Is it sort of like everyone should be so scared? Everyone should be this? Like everyone should oh, be yeah. freaking out? Yeah. But actually, how constructed all this information that are being fed mm. the whole way through the episode, it's all constructed. It's all like, even like down to Don's letter to Betty mm. from what's on the news, like all those kind of things, it's all constructed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. None of it you know is real. Not 100%, yeah. True. And it's kind of like that whole meeting is just a falsity, really. It's like the contracts that they talk about. Yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, not, it's not real. It's an assumption that it's there. Yeah, yeah. But then it's not. And it's kind of like, actually, then everyone's flummoxed. That's what's really shocking is yeah. that Don Draper walks out without, con- you know, and he doesn't have his contract and he's got his half a million quid or whatever. Yeah. And then everyone's sort of like, the real emergency isn't the merger. It's the fact that Don might walk out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Suddenly it all shifts. Yes. Yeah. Like, like even that. to the point where the, the English guys are like, hmm. Well, okay. So before we finish this scene off, the one thing that got me about this that I didn't realise before is that it ends on, uh, you know, what's his name? Um, the really posh guy saying, talking about Doc saying he never could handle his liquor. Yeah, right? yeah. And to me, it kind of re, it sort of changes the whole situation we're in, where to begin, like in the first, then, when you first watch it, it's like um, Doc sort of sells out his team to get ahead. But when this guy says, we knew we know that he could never handle his liquor it's like they were using him yeah yeah to they knew like so when he finally when he originally sold or kind of brought up the idea of selling the company it's like in that scene they forced him to drink they made him drink and they've basically been stringing them along the whole time so it's it's all fake it's all fake and it's kind of and they've been sort of pulling the strings the whole time and that's why yeah. they just used um, they just used duck, which when I hit when I when I realized that I was like oh shit that's amazing, if that is indeed what happened. Um, but yeah, so the next scene we're almost finished now, don't worry. Um, so the next scene is um, oh so 
Yeah, so so then Don leaves the office and he goes and sees Joan. And she says, your wife called. Well, he's really worried when he does it. He's like, because now he's lost all meaning. Like, he doesn't know if he's going to get not back a husband, with his, with not husband. Not a husband, not a, yeah, yeah. He doesn't work at the company anymore. Yeah, yeah. And it's not until she tells him, um, Joan tells him that, um, you know, his wife called, that he kind of gets relieved. But he doesn't actually react, does he? Did you have any, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you have any other thoughts about this? Not really, but it's that again. It's that moment where she's relinquished the power. She's really she calls him. I guess yeah. He stops. He he sent that letter. Yeah. And I don't. There's no impression of time between no. this, those two events. Yeah. Um, but oh. she calls him, isn't it? It's not he calls her. That's true, and it's kind of, and it's it's almost like it worked. Yeah. But what one thing, a theme that came up for me in this scene um, is this idea of, so like with the business guys at the beginning, uh, in the previous scene, there was this idea that they cared about Duck, but at the same time, they didn't care about him and they were just using him. Mm. There's a lot of stuff in this scene where people, where Don kind of seems to care about uh, Joan and care about stuff but doesn't care about him at the same time and it's like backwards and forwards and it's like this, these meaningless gestures and I think that's what that seems about but that's what we can leave that for now and then move on to this big important massive scene at the end Peggy Peggy scene yeah um, what did you think of it because like there's a I guess there's a big there's a big what did you think of the the, the, the speech that she makes because that's the thing that I could have shamed you into staying with me. Well, that and the whole wanting something and then realizing it's moved on, and she's very—it's a really weird sort of speech. Yeah, well, this is what I mean about this scene: is it's it, it's like sometimes with the show, I don't really understand what people are actually saying, <laughs> yeah. and this is a, a prime example. As I, have I liked it as much as I could have shamed you into staying with me because I understood that. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, 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 you could have done. Yeah, yeah. And then she did that weird thing where she was like, and then, you know, you want something and then you don't want it. And then, and then this happens and then you feel like you're not yourself anymore. And I was just like, what, what are you talking about? Like, I don't know. So I, my, I, I honestly have no answer. It's my bread and butter. I, love, that. I was just like, what the hell is she on about? And I was like, I was like, Pete, when Pete was like, what? I was like, yeah, Pete, I'm feeling you. What is she actually saying? Um, so I, I like this. So this scene i guess is a lot of this the beginning of the scene is when pete is basically projecting everything onto her as this perfect person and he's you know he's telling her like and she keeps asking him like what are you thinking what what do you want from me and and he's kind of like well you know you always do this and you're this and like you're you know he's very sort of projecting of 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 who she is and i think her what she basically does at the end of the scene is she tells him what's inside her. And I think with him projecting onto her, he's projecting what he's missing from himself. Mm. He's projecting, again, this idea of lack. And it's just a shit word to use because it's a very old-fashioned way of using it. But this idea of something lacking in him, he projects onto her. Mm. And I think Betty's speech about having wanting something outside of yourself um is what she's talking about she's talking about how you project you you have this let's use this often word used trauma we mm. all 
kind of come across trauma at some point in our lives and then we use that trauma to then propel us into life so we kind of let's say i don't know you're hungry so you go and find something to eat um or or, you know that's a very basic use of the word but like ultimately the thing we're looking for is love so let's say you you feel kind of alone or you feel kind of unloved you go out to look for something to love you or to fill you up and as much as we you know like with with don he kind of shags everything in the room he kind of he can never find this love he can never find this feeling of like wholeness and i think that's kind of what she's talking about she's essentially talking about meditation and emergency she's talking about the whole the, mm. kind of, the missing thing um and i think that's what it is um um i could go on more but you look like you're dying. Sorry, I'm really sorry. I got, I, I did. I'm not gonna lie. I'm really sorry. I started thinking about something else then. I was like thinking about something else. I'm so sorry. I switched off. Um, and my attention span couldn't hold that concept. I'm really sorry. It's fine. Don't, don't worry. About it. Um, I hope you enjoyed that, listeners. <laughs> Anyway, let's just, let's try and finish this off. We've only got a couple more minutes to go. All right, I'm I'm going to rush through this now. So, with that in mind, this idea of like lack and all this kind of stuff, we then see these like um, uh, this weird montage where you see Pete kind of staying up at night because he's kind of and holding racks, a gun. Racks with guilt. Well, yeah, kind of like you know that's what I think. That's the is idea it? You of- thought he was feeling guilt. I think he was feeling a lot of things, but basically all the guilt that Peggy kind of put onto it, all the guilt that Peggy was holding inside of her is now his. His. Yeah. And he deals with that by having a gun and being vigilant um, in the way that Peggy was at one point. Interesting. And Peggy um, obviously still is a bit vigilant, but at the same time, she can still sleep at night as well. Which is kind of this uh, concept that um, Lacan She's has. She's cleared her conscience, doesn't she? Well, yeah. But there's this, this, there's this masculine-feminine thing that Lacan has where men are... Uh, they can only think in one way and it's quite aggressive and quite, um, you know, destructive in ways. And women can, do, can get anxious about stuff, but they can also think in other ways as well and deal with problems. And that's kind of what I think we're seeing with the two of them. Um, so that's that. Anyway, into the final scene where I, I won't talk about Don going into the kitchen because that doesn't, you know, we, we've said enough about changing meanings and stuff. But well, I will say this, Don goes into the house and, you know, he's greeted by his kids and you see him walk, you see the camera sort of follow him into the into the living room and he sits with his wife and his kids. And it's, to me, it's like initially in my in your mind, you're thinking that, uh, well, in Don's mind, he's thinking that he that he is um, adding to the to the family. Like, see, he... I saw that little thing. I saw it as being like an advert. Yeah, that like advert for like that happy family. You yeah, walk yeah, in, the yeah. kids are playing on the floor, the yeah. TV is on, your beautiful wife sitting there. Yeah, exactly. And that's the life that he's walked. Like you say, that's the life he's walking back into. Yeah, but he, I think the way it's filmed, the the way it's shown is he. He thinks that he is adding to the family and making it this whole unit, mm. right? But what I think is actually happening is he being there is f- fulfilling him. Yeah, yeah. But he doesn't see it like that. He sees it as this hero sort of returning home and stuff. Uh, and that's that. Anyway, we'll leave to the final, uh, the final scene now where 
Peggy tells uh, Betty tells Don that she's pregnant and I want to talk about all the stuff with you know the Cuban war and all this stuff I'm going to leave that out because we get here we could we've been here for two hours um, have you got any words on this or can we just get out of it quite quickly <laughs> um I don't really have any I mean I think the reaction pretty much says it all where it's, it's that whole thing of like that again it's one of those and it's almost like quite a nice way to finish the episode is thinking like exactly what i said at the beginning where it's like almost that anti-climax where you want him to be like what the fuck <laughs> and instead he just he just takes a hand Do you know what i mean it's very like it's almost like mellow yeah, it's yeah. Like, i'm having a baby you say mellow said. you say mellow i don't know if it is mellow i just you know okay so again back to the theory signifiers signified right right the signifier is the outside appearance yeah you can't it's just kind of like this exterior the calm exterior in a lot of cases in this episode signified is what's going on underneath um peggy betty tells don that she's pregnant Mm. he holds her hand Mm. and she and he if the camera zooms in on his face and if you look at the camera, look at his face, his face just continually changes. Like, every, it's like, it's never the same. It's like panic, unsure, excitement, happiness, sad, it's everything. And I think that's kind of an indication of what's going on inside him. Because he wanted, again, it's that idea that he wanted to be mothered by Betty. That's what he was aiming for the whole episode. But then she just told him he's pregnant, and now he realizes he has to be a father. And it's like, oh shit, I haven't. I'm back where I started at the beginning of the, of the season, and his brain is just doing all these backflips of like, fuck. Yeah, or, yeah. Also, I'm having a baby. Also, I don't have a job. Also, I've got lots of money. Yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah, it's yeah, all, yeah. It's all these different meanings coming together, and yeah, it's a great ending, I think. Yeah. And also, I guess just to mention the war. It's at one. It's the, at the point in the war. The war is not over. The, literally, they've only just realized there's a lot of shit going on. And in the next couple of days, all hell breaks loose, and there's all kind of like near fucking misses where people could have killed everyone in the universe, and, and we don't really know what's gonna happen. And it's a very sort of um, what's the word uncertain time for them. And I think that's what that final scene is about: is uncertainty. Uh, so there <laughs> there we go <laughs> bravo oh my god that was a lot <laughs> I, I I went into a lot more than I expected to do um, do you think that made any sense yeah I just feel bad because I feel like I can't last long enough. I feel like this is some sort of weird <laughs> sexual confession but I just feel like I can't last long enough to really fulfill you <laughs> in I, I, terms of like all these theories that you have I think I think it's a good timer to keep everything on track to be honest with you you just look it up look for the glaze look for the glaze in my eyes and then you know uh before we finish i want to mention one thing so i've got something on my mind i'm not really sure how it's gonna go or if it's a good idea so i'm gonna put it here and if anybody listens to the end of this these shows oh my god can you imagine (laughs) you can help us out so as you as I, as we keep saying or as I keep saying um and um Helen is always surprised by it, I write a lot of notes for these shows yeah and there's a lot of information in there that we can never get to the whole thing and I, but I think it's really interesting 
Um, and a couple of years ago, when we were like doing a lot of episodes, somebody did email me and said, "Are you ever going to do a Patreon?" And I was like, "Uh, yeah, maybe." And I never got around to it because I didn't know what extras or what kind of things to offer. Um, so what I'm thinking is we could put these notes online and give them to people if they want to pay for them mm-hmm. uh, as Patreons. I've never really wanted to do Patreon before because I knew that these shows were going to slow down and um, the frequency of them would get a bit annoying for anyone. Um, so what do you think? Do you think it's worth putting it out to people and asking if you really want us to do a Patreon, we will do and you can get the notes that I give and, and all other things. We can think of other things. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's a good idea. I think, you know, if people... that You spend a lot of time and energy analysing these episodes, which I do not. I mean, I literally watched the episode today. I don't even remember what happened in the last episode. It's so embarrassing. You know, and for me, yeah. It's um, no, for me, it's so no, embarrassing. No, no, I think it's, it I think like it's great minutes. to be really passionate about something and you have a lot of good theories and you've learned all this stuff about philosophy. So I feel like, you know, I feel like absolutely you should put that stuff somewhere because there will be people who are mad men fanatics and really want to read it and indulge themselves in the world of Fowler's theories. Who That's knows? what we'll call it, Fowler's theories. <laughs> um, we I won't call it that. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see. If anybody, if we get at least one, one email asking for us to do it, then we'll do it. If not, then I don't know, we'll just do what we've been doing for ages uh, and stick to, stick to doing the show just like this. Um, but yeah, it's out there. If anybody wants it, just let us know. Um, how do we finish this over again? And just like always, Sopranos is better, or whatever. Something like that, yeah. Uh, don't forget, everyone. Is there anything else you want to say before we finish? No, the just, show? just thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, and don't forget, everyone. Sopranos is even better. That's about right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>